don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. We found a way to make marketing that's effective and ethical. We were joined by Amy Williams, who is the founder of an ad tech company called Goodloop, which aligns brands with charities. Now, it does this by showing users an advertisement, which if they watch for 15 seconds or more, will trigger an automatic donation to a charity of the user's choice. Yes, Amy spent many years working in programmatic advertising, but she spoke of being a bit disenfranchised with the industry. Enter Goodloop. So now we spoke to Amy all about corporate social responsibility and the rise of cause marketing within advertising. We also spoke about the role that brands and consumers can play in raising money for charities around the world. You obviously get good completion, but then we actually find a 23% uplift in purchase intent and a 65% decrease in negative sentiment towards brands. All this and more coming up. How can ad money solve the world's problems? It can solve the world's problems because there's a hell of a lot of it. Like $500 billion last year spent on digital advertising. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. When I, well, before I started my company, I was doing some volunteering in Argentina, like trying to kind of find myself and, you know, as you do. I was working at this Commodore. It's like a soup kitchen, but for young kids. And there's 30 kids in this Commodore. It's in the outskirts of Buenos Aires. And they spend £10 a week 30, feeding 30 kids. £10 is not very much money, no. you know, and uh, uh, on average, an advertiser will spend about £10 million per campaign. So advertising can make a lot of difference without changing all that much. Yeah. Mm, mm. I, want, I want to ask you something that I know you have asked other people, but I'm curious to hear your answer. <laughs> and that is, what role does tech play in creativity? Mm, that is a tricky question. There's a couple of different roles for it. It either is a facilitator or it can be part of the idea. Um, In my line of work, tech is really a a way to make, to amplify ideas and to make creativity bigger and better. Like I couldn't have built my business without the tech that underlies it. But really the idea is much bigger than the DSP or the SSP that we've built. Mm. It's it's the idea, the creativity that makes people excited. uh, And then it's the tech that makes it a reality. Yeah, that's nice. And we hear a lot about... um the interference of AI and using like certain systems and focusing on that sometimes can people are worried they'll bring the creative down but yeah. it's nice to see a platform like Goodloop where it can work together yeah exactly I'm, I'm fascinated by Goodloop for one because you've again with that conversation you've brought charity out of ad tech yeah. two things that I have to say seem worlds apart they seem like <laughs> universes apart you know on, one, on yeah. the one side you've got programmatic advertising and on the other side you've got charity and doing well and you forge these together and it seems to work really well. Yeah. I can see why it does. Why 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 do you think it is successful? Obviously well, then I need I want to donate. Yeah, I think so I think there's two sides to the coin. There's the brands, there's advertising as an industry, and then there's consumers or or people, I suppose. Uh, I hate calling them consumers. <laughs> so like robotical. But anyway, so in terms of the brands, I think that advertising or ad tech specifically has had so much negativity around it. Mm-hmm. Like every news story you hear about ad tech is like 
you know, ad fraud or brand safety on like YouTube with like dangerous videos mm. or, you know, viewability issues. And actually it's just, I think it's an industry that's in desperate needs of a good news story. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an industry full of creative, smart people who are feeling a little bit disenfranchised and like they want to make something more positive come from what they're building. So there's definitely like a hunger and a need for something positive. And I, I really like the idea of using Goodloop as a way to inject positivity into an industry that really needs it. Um, and then on the on the kind of the user side or the side of the people off the internet, advertising has become, over the years, it feels like it's become less of a public service, less of something that, you know, funds good journalism and funds, you know, the ad on the bus shelter funds the roof over your head. Like mm. there used to be this value exchange, but increasingly advertising has just been perceived as annoying mm. and actually quite exploitative with things like the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Mm. And I think people just feel a bit jaded and a bit like they want a fairer value exchange. They want a bit more respect, a bit more choice and a bit more control. Mm. Um, mm. And so that's kind of the two sort of trends that I think my business is tapping into. Mm. Have you noticed like when you were creating it, obviously we know younger generations are blocking ads and using ad blockers more and more. I wonder if like, if that's something that you've had uh, trouble with or if it was something you were worried about when you were first starting out. Yeah, we actually explored the ad blocker avenue quite a lot because the premise of the business is built on the idea of giving people a choice. Mm. Like you shouldn't ever have to watch an ad. It should always be a choice. And if you choose to engage, if you choose to give your time and attention, then you get to, you know, in our case, give a donation. Um, going back to that kind of value exchange piece. But I think as we built the business, one thing I learned was that ad blocking is important and it's growing, but it's still fairly small. And actually most of the major publishers uh, aren't particularly focusing on it at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we actually built a product, a version of our product, which is ad blocker proof, um, which essentially was uh, every time you detect an ad blocker on your page, Goodloop can appear, which is the choice to watch an ad. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's all compliant with the, you know, um, ad blocker plus has those guidelines, mm -hmm. the acceptable mm -hmm. ads criteria. Yeah. So it's all compliant with that. And we built it and we thought like, this is going to be, this is it. This is a winner. We didn't really go anywhere. didn't really sell because publishers just don't really focus on it. Like, if you choose to block ads, then you've opted out of the whole economy. You've opted out of using your value in a way that's positive or negative. Mm. Yeah. And I think that isn't really the right solution. I, I think I'd rather build a better alternative rather than work with ad blockers because it just doesn't feel like the right way of funding the internet. Yeah, that's fair. It's quite, it's, I don't know, it's almost quite sad that we've gotten to this point because, I'm. you know, and it still is to an extent, but advertising... There was once a time where it's something to be celebrated and it was the creativity. Yeah. And now with these ad blockers, it seems like, no, we're shutting it out. Where, when did we get to that point? Was it with the rise of stuff like social media and programmatic, do you think? You, you mentioned that it's become um, quite intrusive in places. Yeah. Has it not always been in the sense that it's in like the living Maybe. room? or? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I used uh, my, my background is from a creative agency. I used to work at Ogilvy. So I kind of come from these roots of loving advertising mm -hmm. and, and really believing that what you're creating is you know, it can be funny, it can be moving, it can be something that affects culture. And I, I do have that massive appreciation for it. I guess, I guess the internet has meant that advertising has got cheaper and cheaper mm -hmm. and programmatic mm -hmm. has meant it's got cheaper and you know, social media has such huge reach. And I think that that race to the bottom, that kind of most possible impressions for the lowest possible cost kind of approach has devalued it mm -hmm. and has meant mm -hmm. that we are we're chasing the click and the like rather than the quality, mm. maybe. I, I agree. I suppose it's that uh, 
it's the attention economy they call it in, in a way mm. as well it's like attention is everything that is the one metric now yeah, isn't it and it feels it's like, like now you, like you ha you literally can't capture someone's attention for more than course. 15 seconds without that incentive mm. it's a bit of a cheap car salesman analogy i suppose you could yeah. say isn't it it's just like right get you there sort of yeah yeah so this very much seems like the complete alternative to that. And that's, uh, I'm interested to know what, what have people in your field in programmatic, what has been the response uh, to Good Loop? Starting this company has given me a, a real belief in humanity, actually, because I just I've been amazed at how much help and support and um, advice and mentorship I've been offered. You know, I, this is my first business I've set up on my own after I left Ogilvy. And so I've been basically faking it till I make it the whole time. <laughs> and like the amount of people that have given their time for free or have helped make those first introductions. You know, when you're a really small business starting out, it's very difficult to get those first few customers. Mm. But quite quickly, the Unilever, through the Unilever foundry, they really believed in what we were doing and they were an old client of mine. So I think we had a lot of aligned, um, I think, yeah, I think we both kind of wanted the same thing, which was advertising that's both purposeful and effective. Yeah. So they were one of our first customers. Like, that's a huge risk for a big company like them. Mm -hmm. But that backing was, it, it really was the point at which Goodloop took off because we got mm -hmm. some press, we got some attention. We also had a bit of um, you trust because we're being used by such a big brand. It, it yeah, gives it a definitely. lot of weight. And and so it's it felt like that the whole way through. Like people just want to get involved and they want to see us succeed. Mm -hmm. And I think... We are all agreed that, you know, if if Goodloop or if the industry as a whole can make advertising have a more positive output in society, it will make consumers appreciate it more. It will make the quality higher. It will mean we're all proud of our jobs when we go home at the end of the day mm, and yeah. it, it should make the world a better place. Yeah. Cool. I'm, not, I'm not surprised that brands have like taken to it. You, know, you touched on earlier. We've been speaking about it this morning. Mm, the whole mm. YouTube and brand safety debate is back mm. with a vengeance and you can understand why their uh, brands are not very happy to have their content sit, yeah. uh, alongside things like that. Um, but we've seen, obviously, when brands try and align themselves with meaningful causes or through CSR projects, it can go horribly wrong if their creative just misses the mark or or they try too hard or they haven't hit the right tone. And I feel like Good Loop, I don't know if you agree, sort of, have you seen that it's a way for them to align themselves with a meaningful cause without that risk? I definitely think it's a way of putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Like one of the risks that you mention is that it seems disingenuous mm. and it's a lot of hot air with no real impact. And I do think that you can sniff that a mile off. Mm. Like it's just, mm. if it doesn't feel like anything's really changing, if it's just noise, then it, it does more harm than good. Yeah. And, and I think through Good Loop, the idea is you choose causes that reinforce your brand values. You choose causes that you know are relevant to your audience and, and relevant to your brand. And then you actually donate the money. Yeah. So like 50% of, of the of the money that you spend on buying Good Leap advertising will go straight to the charity that the user chooses to, to support. Yeah. So it's a really tangible way of, of like making purpose more tangible, um, making it more um making it more real. Yeah. I think that's what was missing before perhaps mm, mm. I'm, I'm curious i don't know how it works do you have like a select number of charities who you work with or is it a case of the brand um can like pick a charity who they want to work with and you'll just send it their way is well, it it's, open a, to it's a combination like we've got two kind of extreme examples we work with kitkat and they had this really amazing initiative they do around sustainable cocoa farming mm. so they work with all the farmers in these local regions and it's a big NGO sponsored by Nestle. So they wanted to just support that 
through Goodloop. So they wanted to run their KitKat ads and every time somebody watched, they could donate to a different project within that cocoa farming initiative. Mm -hmm. So rather than it being three different charities, it's one cause with three projects. So that was a very specific example where they were really wanting to kind of highlight their work. Mm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have some brands that like don't even bother picking the charities. Like mm. they just kind of, mm. they they like the idea of making advertising respectful, making it opt-in, making it, you know, high engagement. And then they kind of just let us pick the causes, yeah. which is quite fun. Yeah, no, that's nice. And do the, do the charities know? Are they aware of what oh, you're yeah. doing? Yeah. No, we work with the charities. Well, because we, you know, we have to get their agreement to use them. And yeah, of sometimes it doesn't work. Like we had a um, it was a holiday brand and they wanted to support Cancer Research UK, which is an amazing charity, like really popular. Um, and it's a charity, you know, we already had a relationship with. But they, they had to say no because the ad showed people sunbathing without putting sunscreen on, mm. <gasps> which just would have been so like, like incongruous yeah. with the charity. So it's quite a, like you have to find the right balance. Yeah. You have to find causes that fit. I'm interested to hear about your take of CSR because this is something we've been aware of for a few years and something that brands, we always hear that brands want to do more of and yeah. CEOs especially. Where has that, you know, obviously there's, there's, there is a, a need for it just because it's a good thing to do, CSR. But from a, consum a consumer level, what does that say about our expectations of brands nowadays? It seems to me that 50 years ago, you wouldn't expect the brand to be all the things we do today, yeah. if you know what I mean. I definitely agree. It's definitely changing. I think... There's definitely this shift from CSR being a thing that's about, well, it's in the name, it's about responsibility. It's about what that brand or business can actually tangibly impact within its own sphere of influence. So CSS, CSR is often about supply chain or where you're sourcing your products from, you know, or how you're, um, how you're managing your, your packaging, for mm -hmm. example. CSR tends to be more about the, the small circle of influence around a business, whereas purpose today, as you mentioned, is way more like broad and people are expecting brands to have an opinion on LGBTQ rights yeah. and, you know, pay, like workers pay and um, the, the whole range of issues that, that brands have to get yeah. involved with today. And I think it's, it's, it's a combination of things. It's, it's, a, it's a move from CSR as a separate entity to CSR as a part of marketing, mm. a move from CSR to purpose marketing, mm. perhaps. Mm. And it's also a change in society. Like the politics today is, is, is incredibly scary and incredibly disempowering. I think there's a, a big feeling, especially with younger people that we have had very little say and control over the things that are happening in our society. And actually, one way that we can control, one way that we can have a say is to choose how we spend our money. Yeah. You know, that idea that your pound is a vote and when you mm. buy an ethical product, you're making a vote for a better world. Yeah. I think that's, personally, that's really re relevant and resonant. And I think that more and more people are, are starting to think about consumers in that way completely agree with the with the point you make there. It's almost like it's gone from, uh, you know, for every tree we cut down, we'll plant two to, you know, we are out there, we align ourselves with these causes. Mm. I remember the, um, I think it was, I'm going to sound really sort of out of whack here, but it was around the same time as the Pepsi stuff. And I think it was the Women's March and there was, uh, you know, brands like Gucci and stuff, you know, tying themselves to that. But again, there, there are instances where it looks quite disingenuous, like you like you touched on. Yeah, you, know, you say know. that we expect them to have a voice on everything, but so, suddenly when they have a voice Ready on to. something, we're like, no, you don't. You can't have a voice on that. Yeah, yeah. They put their head up a little bit, and we're like, get back down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can imagine yeah. It being a it's very a scary bitty thing, thing in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's sort of balanced to get right. But it sounds like you're 
for, for, for the CEOs of the world and CMOs, you're ticking all the boxes in a way. How much of the, um, I'm interested to know, how much of the ad, the creative around it plays into the charity message? Like, yeah. is it a case with Good Loop that you can just, uh, you know, I can watch an ad for, say, a new Audi or something, and then I can still donate to charity? Or is there, like, you do? You, is your best practice for there to be a synergy between that message and that? Generally, the advert is just whatever ad the brand is using on other channels. Mm, so mm. it's their regular, you know, TV ad or YouTube ad. Because um, I think as well from from my perspective, I want to make Good Loop easy to use. Mm, and I want it mm. to be something that sits in a media plan alongside Teeds and YouTube and TV. Like it shouldn't have to be this own special creative thing mm. that you mm. only do when you've got a CSR brief and, you know, it's a whole headache. And actually the idea behind it is make purpose easy and yeah. make it something that you don't have to decide between. Like it, it shouldn't be a toss up where you go, right, should I spend this money on effective advertising or should I spend this money doing good? Mm. It should be that you mm. can do both. Mm. Um, so, yeah, most our campaigns are where they've taken their other their regular TV ad. We had a really nice one we did with Unilever with the NOR, like the Stock Cubes and Soups mm. brand. Yeah. And all the charities were um, different soup kitchens and food banks from around the UK. So it's like their regular ad, but the charities really make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So it's that's how we tend to and do it. And also, you've made it really easy for the for the user as well for the viewer of the ad. Oh, that yeah. You don't have to input your details or anything, yeah, yeah. and it's literally just boom, and you've donated. Donate with your eyeballs. Yeah, you can imagine <laughs> yeah. how how appealing that is. I'm interested. I know you've had uh, a lot of success with programmatic and a little bit of exploration into social. Mm. I'm keen to hear any future plans you've got for social. Yeah, it was something that. So we started with programmatic because it felt like. Uh, it felt like where the most sort of scale was. And so we built our programmatic video p product sort of 2017, I guess, and have been selling that for a couple of years now, which is literally like you watch after you've watched for 15 seconds, you unlock your donation and then you can choose a charity. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty simple sort of watch, unlock, donate mm -hmm. user mm -hmm. experience. And we were finding more and more of our customers were asking us about social because it's, I think it's just a context where the social message or the purpose message resonates a lot more because mm -hmm. you know, social platforms are just, they, they're a bit sort of friendlier. They're a bit more about that kind of bigger brand purpose stuff. Mm -hmm. So we we launched our pilot with Snapchat last year, which was a swipe up to donate uh, mechanic. So mm -hmm. similar in that it's a user giving some of their time and attention, but the swipe is when you actually trigger the donation and then you can pick your charity. Yeah. It worked really mm -hmm. nicely. We did it with links and it was all in support of... Um, Ditch the Label, which is a, a charity supporting male mental health. Oh, so it was a really good fit. So yeah, we just did that one on, on Snapchat. We're uh, looking for a launch partner for Instagram this year. Amazing. And we've just started some conversations with some other platforms as well. So this is, uh, yeah, good more really to come. Excited. So you must be, because we, again, we were speaking about this morning. I know what the, you're going to say. Uh, <laughs> the donation sticker that, that's coming. Have you seen it? In, Instagram have basically, uh, I'll show you on my phone, but I, think, uh, I don't think we've got they're, it yet. They're testing a donation sticker. You know how they've got like, their music sticker or um, like equestrian like, sticker. And stuff. And, yeah. yeah, so it's it, it's not entirely clear how it's going to work at the minute, but you picture it just like you post a story, mm. your donation mm. sticker's on there, and someone can donate to a charity of your choice. But like on Facebook, you know, when it's someone's birthday. Like on your and birthday, they, yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. ask you to pitch in. Yeah. I love it. I th so there's this, I've, I've coined it PhilTech, which is it's supposed to be philanthropy tech, but it just sounds like tech for a man <laughs> called Phil. I like that. It, it hasn't worked as well as I was hoping. Phil's tech. <laughs> I didn't like order loads of t-shirts yet. I haven't fully committed. <laughs> but the, 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 what I'm trying to do is like 
create a language around technology that makes giving easier. Mm. And I think it's such a cool area to explore because there's tech for good, which is like drones that drop supplies in remote villages. Mm. But then Philtech is like, it's almost like fintech, it's uh, finance tech, mm. but it's specifically about funding third sector and fun- funding good causes. And you need to make it easy. You need to make it seamless. Yeah. You need to make it effortless. Things like pennies. Do you guys know pennies? It's a no. really good little app. It'll just round up all your spending to the nearest pound. Oh yeah, mm. I have. I have heard of that. I tell a lie. It's such a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's stuff like that that's just easy and, you know, I think integrates well with like a new millennial lifestyle and makes giving a bit more scalable. Mm. I was going to say, you mentioned millennials there, literally just uh, come on to my next question. Why is this so relevant now? Is it a generational thing? Because we read about ourselves constantly and read, you know, we're the millennials, we're the Gen Zs, we're the givers of this world, we're the, you know, we're going to come and sort this mess out. Why? Then it's, stop it's, talking about me, you don't know me. <laughs> do, you see it as a, do you see it as a generational shift or is there more going on? This is such an aside point, but my dad came home from work one day and he was like, Amy, at work, they gave us a workshop about millennials and now I understand why you were so lazy. <laughs> I was like, you didn't listen to that workshop, dad. Yeah, I um, yeah, love that idea. Like, you don't know me. God. <laughs> There's such a disconnect. My flatmate the other day said, you know, oh, you know, I'm not a millennial. I'm not cool. I'm not a snowflake. I'm like, you're literally a millennial. Oh. You are a millennial. But you don't have to be a snowflake. Yeah, it's you, are, you literally world. are. It's not a choice. <laughs> <laughs> the, so I think I get asked a lot, like, is Good Loop only relevant to older audiences? Because they're the like the traditional giver, the traditional mm. sort of charity mm. giver is typically female over 40. Oh. That's like if you talk to any major global charity, that's like their main base. Mm. Mm. Um, but that's just because they're the they're, you know, they've got higher income. They've got um, a little bit more um, opportunity to give. And, and also it's a more traditional way of giving, like mm. that kind of £10 a month or whatever. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that charity isn't relevant to younger generations. It's just the way that charity is communicated. Mm. There's some charities, like there's one called Charity Water. Um, it was set up a few years ago in the States, but it's been a, the whole charity is approached like a startup. So they have investors and then they have givers. And if you give money, you can see exactly which well your pound funds and you get a tracker so you can see exactly when that well is used for the next 10 years. So it's That's a real really feedback loop. And it's it's all tech enabled. It's all really forward th- thinking and it's completely transparent. And that mm. the, it, all of their kind of main donors are like millennials under 30s. Mm. It gives you that gratification, doesn't it? You can like see what you're getting. Yeah. Mm. It's just not a black box. Pragmatic approach. So it's it's not that charity is more relevant in one way or another. It's just the expectations are different and the way you communicate it has to kind of evolve with the times. Yeah, I suppose it's like any other like medium or any other industry. You have to Mm. adapt and change to suit people's needs. It's a convenience element, isn't it? It's almost like it strikes me that you... uh, you don't actively sort of seek out a website to set up a direct debit to do this anymore. Like, you know, in the same way that we've got, you know, apps for Deliveroo and everything else. Everything's so simple now, I suppose, yeah. in such an easier way. I'm um, in, from, from the sort of nerd in me a little bit, I'm keen to know the programmatic side as well, a bit more about how Goodloop works in a way in terms of, if if I can just get this right, you, it, it, pro, programmatic's based on a bidding system, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So how does Goodloop say, how do you get those ad placements above, say, uh, somebody else who's gone for another demand side platform? Or mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I need to read your ebook on this because I completely <laughs> got myself. If you into go to www. No. Um, so it, basically, the way it works is we charge the advertiser every time somebody watches the ad for at least fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're on let's say the independent and you see a good loop advert. And you can skip, but if you don't skip and if you stick around and watch the ad for 15 seconds, we charge the advertiser and then we'll give 50% of the advertiser's money to the charity that you you, you choose mm-hmm. from the shortlist that you're given. So we now have 50% of the money left. So that 50% we have to use to buy the media space from the independent. Mm. And we buy that through um, a live bidding system, a little bit like the stock exchange, but for adverts. Um, this is the DSP? This is Yes. Right. So this okay. is the programmatic Top part. Marks. You are so, a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the basically the part where we will say a price that we're willing to pay. And we have to... We have to calibrate that price based on what we're buying. Mm, so mm. the sort of secret source of the business is knowing where we're most likely to get people completing. Because when mm. they complete the video, we get paid. Mm, if you skip mm. straight away, we don't make any money, but we've still had to pay for the space. Mm, so mm. it's really about um, understanding the probability and therefore adjusting how much we're going to spend to mm. buy that space and making sure that we can make a profit, pay the media and give the donation. Mm. And everybody's happy. I'm curious, have you noticed any difference in your completion rates on programmatic versus social? Yeah, massively, definitely. Well, it's different product, really. Like we're, as I mentioned on the social, it's um, it's on the swipe that you donate. So yeah. it's not about a length of time that you have to watch. Yeah. And the reason we switched it is because social's such a fast platform. Yeah. There, would, there would be no point saying watch for 15 seconds to donate because this just doesn't happen. Like yeah. if you get four seconds on social, you've done well. Mm. So that's why we switched to swipe up. We we do get really good. We find on good on good loop on Snapchat gets about double the dwell time as oh. the same ad without our ethical incentive. So we get people to stick around, but yeah, generally everything is just like ten times faster. Yeah. Um, which has like good points and bad points. Imagine right? that because we've seen some stats just on video uh, alone, a vertical video in particular. So like for Snapchat and Instagram, apparently completion rates just on normal click throughs and like engagement rates are much higher when it's that sort of focus point vertical content. Mm. Um, so I can imagine you'll probably see a difference. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've only worked within stories, which is obviously the like, yeah, much more fast paced stuff. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. That, that's that's where the meaty stuff is anyway. I think like mm. the problem with feeds, it'll be the same like on site is because there's always something else in view. Mm. So like, even when you think they're watching, their eyes might be darting somewhere else might be looking at another tab but it's very that's hard true. to look away when you're just yeah yeah focused that's true but i'm biased <laughs> i know your usp as well i mean is that uh you know you know and to brands as well i suppose the message is look you know people will watch your ads mm. for longer they will watch them in their entirety because they know there will be a donation made at the end of it how does this bode for the rest of programmatic like uh, you know there, there's got to be an awful opportunity here for you to um, you know, scale this because people are going to be thinking, well, nobody's watching my ads, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's no incentive attached other than buy this that you might not want, you know, because the pixels followed you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, What's definitely. Sort of- I think, so it is, it's like, it's a basically, we're giving people a reason to watch, which is that you get to give a donation. Mm. But because the charities are linked to the brand and reinforcing the values that the brand has, the, the, the incentive actually complements the, creative message mm, so you mm. what you don't want is you know watch this advert to get to your next level on your game or get mm, points because mm. then 
it's like a necessary evil to get points. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you're watching a Noor ad and then you donate to a soup kitchen, you're reinforcing the the, the values of the brand and you're actually creating a bit of a halo effect. Yeah. And so this is something we've started to actually explore looking at like brand uplift and recall uplift. Mm. So we, we're getting, re- I'm like really proud of the results we're getting from that as well. Because it's nice to see that you, you obviously get good completion, but then we actually find a 23% uplift in purchase intent and a 65% decrease in negative sentiment towards brands. Wow. And like those are kind of stats that just make you realize it's, you know, it, it is something that I hope we're going to be able to scale globally because I just think yeah. we found a way to make marketing that's effective and ethical. Mm. And that's like, that's what it's all about. It is genius. I really hope so as well. Yeah. Are you are you rallying against that, the gamification? Because it seems like, you know, if you look at programmatic trends and advertising trends in general, there's that gamification of ads. Like, yeah. like you said, you know, complete this to go to the next level. And to the is, is that sort of, you know. <laughs> tap to tap to tap to. The yeah, so kind of, I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's different, like different roles that it plays. I mean, it does offer a better user experience. Mm. Like it's a value exchange. And I think going back to what we we're saying about ad blocking, there has to be something in it for the user yeah. other than like, yeah, it has to be more reciprocal and more, um, yeah, more enjoyable. So I think it has its role. Um, and like those kind of formats do really well when you're trying to drive like conversion or downloads or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just when you want to have something that's more high engagement, high uh, brand, like we're more about the brand mm-hmm. than about mm-hmm. like click here, buy now, mm-hmm. yeah. more, more kind of um, bigger purpose messaging rather than like performance messaging, I guess. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I think it just has different roles. Strikes me as a whole that the industry has had to get beyond that, to get smarter, to get past those ad blocks in a way and to offer value in that yeah, way. Yeah, which is no bad thing. Fantastic. Do you think this is the future of cause marketing? I think that cause marketing has two, two sort of two areas to it. The first is the creative or the content, the actual cause itself, um, you know, and, and, and making sure that the brand is choosing causes that it can really talk about in an authentic, relevant way and making creative that like, isn't like the Pepsi ad. Yeah. So there's a creative element. The opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then there's the media element, which is about buying media, which buying media consciously, buying media that is positive. And and when you look at a kind of a, a, an ad budget, typically about 10% gets spent on the creative, which is where all the purpose thinking goes on. And 90% is spent on the media where no one ever considers purpose. Mm. So really goodly mm. sitting in that 90% going, you know, if you've got a value that you're talking about in your ad, why aren't you putting it into practice in the other 90% of your budget? Yeah. No, it's fair enough. It's a fantastic initiative. I, I, I hope, you know, there are good loop adverts everywhere. Yeah. Because honestly, this, Look is, out for this them. is fantastic. Yeah. I love watching adverts as well. Yeah, I know you well do. Theo podcast, can recall yeah. any advert from any decade, from any brand. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a bit sad. It's weird. <laughs> fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> This has been the Social Minds podcast with Theo, Eve and music by Pierre Flass. 